Who Rules the World? A new podcast by European Union youth delegates Lucia and Nadia on SoundCloud and other platforms. I am Lucia. And I'm Nadia. In Who Rules the World podcast, we will talk about the European Union and United Nations and all the burning world issues that our generation will have to face when our time comes to rule the world. Welcome back to yet another episode of Who Rules the World podcast that is brought to you by the European Youth Delegates to the United Nations, Nadia and Lucia. With this podcast, we aim to shine a light on current world issues and bring the structure and the processes of the UN and EU closer to our listeners. As for today's episode, it will be focused around the Human Rights Day, which we celebrated just a couple of days ago on the 10th of December. And we celebrated already 74 years since the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was first adopted. So I think we sure have an, a lot to talk about in today's episode. My guest today is Bustian Widemschek, Slovenian journalist, writer, author of six, I believe, seven books, uh, a climate activist, also an uh, ultramarathon runner, and probably so much more. So, Bastian, Dobrodošel, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. So, let's start at the beginning. Your work as a journalist and as an author is very much focused on shining the light on the injustices around the world, the violations of human rights, animal and environment protection, and also the climate crisis. Tell me a little bit about your background and about your work and how did you even end up with these topics and why do you think it's important that you give these topics, um, these people and the environment voice through your work? This time I covered uh, topics connected directly or indirectly to, to human rights. So being a war correspondent for many years, uh, reporting on migration and refugees, uh, reporting on climate uh, on climate change and more, more not only consequences also looking for solutions and uh, of course uh, animal rights and actually the anthropocene stories so everything is the, everything is totally connected with the human rights concept it's the only concept i really believe in journalism for me it's uh, reporting on abuse reporting on minorities reporting on, pe- pe- uh, on people who are voiceless reporting on people and other beings in the context of freedom, in the context of the right of existence in all possible senses, physical and metaphysical, of course. And always when I'm writing, when I'm thinking, when I'm traveling, when I'm reporting, I'm trying to emphasize the historical context, the colonial or neo-colonial context of the present situation, Everywhere, not 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 only not only in I don't know African countries, Middle East, or uh, also in Ukraine. You know, it's extremely important to have historical perspective. Mm-hmm. It's extremely important to build up the knowledge all the time, and not to understand things as given, things as they are right here, or things as they seem. Uh, one has to be always, as a journalist, as a writer, extremely aggressively self-reflective. Uh, and not to allow him or herself uh, to to make fast conclusions. You have to dive as deep as possible, even if you lose your breath, even if your life is endangered, and, and it is in our, uh, our 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 profession more and more. In 2020, 2022, uh, we have a record number of killed journalists. So, uh, and it's not only connected to the Ukraine war. There are many wars around, but on the other hand, majority of journalists and 
for, for example, climate activists are killed in Latin America, in Brazil, and in other Amazon countries. So uh, this, in, I would like to put this thing together somehow. It's a front line of not only humanity, on one side wars and conflicts, on the other side climate change and its consequences. So with my work, I'm trying to put all these stories into one single chapter. And so you mentioned already that the year of 2022 was a year that a lot of journalists were threatened and also we could observe worldwide that a lot of human rights were threatened, a lot of women's rights and girls' rights were also very violated. Uh, what would you say that are some of the biggest shifts in the field of human rights in recent years? So where have we actually managed to make some improvements and where have the human rights unfortunately backslipped? I think the climate change and its consequences and the creation of enormous amount of people on the run uh, from various uh, areas of the world, from Sahel, from uh, South Pacific, uh, from Sub-Saharan Africa and also Middle East and some other places, African Horde, for example, it's not being debated enough, it's, it's out of focus. Because we, we, we haven't adopted the concept of climate refugees yet properly. Mm -hmm. Same goes for the UN. Yeah. I think this is the biggest topic right here, right now, and it's going to be by far in, also in the context of demography, economy, uh, and social policies, uh, the, 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 the biggest topic of the near future. Mm -hmm. And here, most of, the, most of the, the resources should be already used uh, to understand and to prepare what is coming. Uh, um, world is more or less falling apart around us. Yes, human rights are rapidly deteriorating. Uh, I don't see much improvement. Uh, it's also connected, uh, of course, with the war in Ukraine, uh, but on several levels. Much of our attention uh, already shrinked by social media, uh, anti-social media. I mean, we are in the process of anti-social, social revolution, which got the... the, the uh, a, great, a great push by the, the, the corona lockdowns. So uh, our attention spans has been pathologically shrinked and uh, it's been occupied for a while by one crisis, by another crisis, by the third crisis, by the coming crisis, and we cannot focus on the real crisis. But I cannot apply universal concept of human rights uh, without reflection and considering uh, the local environment and needs uh, to, to parts of the world which don't have the same cultural or uh, economical background. And there is no, for me, justice, freedom, or any kind of rights if all creatures, small and big, yeah. don't have the same rights as I have. That's how a journalist, a writer, a philosopher, a thinker, whoever, should feel also the concept of human rights. If human rights are violated thousands of miles away, your human rights are violated too, because it's humanity. As you're saying that we all need to respect all creatures the same and provide, like, provide everyone the same human rights. And also before, when we were talking about the, the climate crisis and how it should be the basis, the human rights and climate crisis basis of everything, in July, the UN General Assembly, for example, passed a resolution that affirmed a clean, healthy and sustainable environment as a human right. 
Um, so do you think that this is a step into the right direction? Um, and what are your views on this resolution? Or do you think that maybe this could further help guaranteeing the rights of people living in heavily climate crisis affected region? This is a great step 10 years too late, uh, which is actually quick for UN standards and for the global institution standards. Uh, but let's see, you know, uh, things, resolutions, declarations have the value if they have direct impact. You know, it's like with our work. If there is no direct impact, we are on a huge ego safari for life. So uh, let's see what the impact will be and how it will be applied by the, 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 the individual countries. Yeah. The only solution is, of course, to have a very strong global international body uh, communicating and not having the Security Council with the right of veto and the Cold War, post-Cold War uh, logic. Who would you say is also what we talked right now is narrating the present and the future of human rights in the world? Is that the political will, the financial resources, or even as you're stating right now, maybe the climate crisis? Hmm. Yeah, it's interconnected. Uh, but the, the climate crisis is the it's the crisis. It's, the climate crisis contains all the crises we've been through and we are passing through. The it's the how to say it's the uber crisis. It, it's the crisis of economical system. It's the crisis of environment. It's the crisis of values. It's the crisis of human rights. It's the crisis of democracy. So what would happen if to the entire mix of everything we'll, we were talking about right now, we add now the digitalization and oh. the internet. So we get an entirely new environment for human rights, for yeah. new human rights, and also a new environment for human rights to be violated again. So how can we deal with this entire abuse of human rights on the internet? Most of us from my generation really believe that internet is something that will allow us to express and to, to socialize much more freely than ever. In the beginning, it was like a dicta dictatorship of choice. You know, everything is possible. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, I think lots of people also in the, in the, in the industry itself uh, didn't realize how dangerous it was to open the space and not regulate it uh, with this, this word is too heavy to use, I suppose, mm -hmm. to regulate it. Just to open it and, uh, you know, step away. Internet allowed us to think that everything is possible. You know, even that the revolutions are possible. Mm -hmm. But pretty soon it was, it became obvious that that's not real. I was absolutely, as, as, as I don't know, when I was much younger, I was absolutely wrong about it. I thought that internet will give us, the internet will, uh, will give us so many beautiful options. Now we have none. Now we are enslaved by digitalization. And just talking about the digitalization, I get nervous because I think this will cut my time I spent in forest, in the mountains, uh, with my real friends, not, uh, not digital friends. And uh, evolutionary, we were not made for this. You know, evolutionary, we are made to be outside, to... to uh, that it's, this is officially now called comfort crisis, you know, 
we spend so much time inside in the first world and we we spend so much time being passive that it's killing our purpose and you feel it in the state of mental health the purpose is also you know to invest yourself to to suffer a bit to uh, to, to to get to to your own goals it's like sport you know uh, if it's given then it has no value and you feel that it doesn't have it uh, have the value uh, and this is what digitalization is making it's uh, and let's bring the role of youth into this equation. Um, we already before you mentioned um, the fact that we cannot talk about universal human rights if not everyone has those human rights. Um, so if not everyone has them, then nobody has them. And I think a very big part of this is to help people internalize the concept of human rights and of human dignity. How can youth maybe help uh, with that internalization of these concepts? <laughs> Climate activists in last three, four years, young climate activists, of course, are the only people I believe in. I think uh, not only the floor, uh, I think the, 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 crucial, the crucial political position should be given to them uh, without any further questions. I think that the political elites, existing political elites are unable or unwilling to deal with existing crises and uh, they have no clue, they have no interest in uh, understanding the possible consequences for coming or, uh, or for young and the coming generations. And, uh, and to deal with the climate crisis, this is what I've really researched deeply through uh, with my book Plan B, is uh, to, to, to deal directly with climate crisis, you have to be personally involved, personally affected. And if you are driven by the, the, the existential threat then you move and this is in this is the essence of how we are built evolutionary we are not built to deal with the crisis which or, or a problem or a threat which is in our mind far away we are built evolutionary to deal with the clear and present danger if you will try to to poke uh, your finger in my eyes i will reflectively move if i will see a car coming directly to me, I will move and jump, jump without thinking. This is, this is in our genes. And a, a planning of our reaction to the crisis, which will come in a couple of years, it's not in our genes. So we are genetically, evolutionarily unable to fight climate crisis if it, it doesn't hit us directly. And when researching for Plan B, we found out that most promising or, or the existing practices in the fight against the climate crisis are in the places which are already directly hit by the climate crisis and people were forced to react because in other case they were burned, they would burn, uh, uh, they would drown, uh, they would lose their, their livelihoods. They had to react. It's like in war. I mean, you suddenly become a new person. You have to fight or you die. Again, you have to fight or you die. Coming to the end of our discussion, we can certainly see that the 21st century or even just the year of 2022 is definitely challenging whether the Universal Declaration of Human Rights can stand the test of time. Do you think it can? And what do you think we can maybe change or approach differently so we can ensure that? Step out of the comfort zone immediately against our own needs, against our own will, and against the 
<laughs> evolutionary setup. Stepping out of the comfort zone is the first step towards a possible solution. Thank you very much, Bastian, for our discussion. Hopefully the future of human rights looks a bit brighter and we, <laughs> we can learn from our mistakes so far. Um, I think that definitely the human rights will be um, an ongoing topic during the, this podcast as uh, the UN is dedicating uh, the year of 2023 to the um, following to the 75th anniversary of the declaration uh, to the human rights. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to discuss it even more in the future. And thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. Make sure you catch Nadia's episode on COP15 and see you hopefully soon for yet another episode of Who Rules the World. This was Who Rules the World podcast by European Union Youth Delegates Lucia and Nadia. WRW coming soon with next episode on SoundCloud and other platforms.